In the name of Jesus, dear brothers and sisters of Jesus, from our Father in heaven, it's an unsettling thing to be a stranger. I remember standing in Hangzhou, China, in an alley packed with, it seemed like tens of thousands of Chinese people, and I was in China to visit my sister who lived there. My family was waiting for me at the end of the alley, but I was the only one in the middle of it, and I was definitely a stranger there. I looked around, I think I was the only person over 5'6". And I was definitely the only person with blonde hair. And I'm pretty sure I was the only person who didn't speak Mandarin. I was the weirdo amid all these people. And it's an unsettling thing. Because you don't quite know how to ask for help. You don't quite know what to say if you bump into somebody. It's unsettling to be a stranger. And... There's a fancy German word for that. I don't speak German, right? But Martin Heidegger came up with this word for it. Unheimlich. It, it means literally this. This does not feel like home. This does not feel like home. You've, you've felt that. Even if you've never traveled to a foreign land, you've felt unheimlich when you maybe find yourself in like the only person cheering for the, the wrong team, <laughs> in the other team's cheering section. Say, this is not like how we do it at my school, or this is not how we do it at my house. Or if you have to drive a car in some place where they've got different laws, you feel like, whoa, I'm not quite sure what to do because this is not how we do it where I come from. But even, even really simple things, if you've ever taken a shower in someone else's house and you don't know how to make the water hot or cold, and you don't know what that gel is for or why that thing is there to scrub, you're like, I, it just, it's not how I do it at my house. And you feel a little off, right? Jim Morrison from The Doors, he wrote a song about that. You know what I'm talking about? People are strange, it's called. People are strange when you're a stranger. Faces look ugly when you're alone. Women seem wicked when you're unwanted. Streets are uneven when you're down. Everything is just a little off, and you're not sure if people like you or not, and you're not sure what's going on when things are strange to you, when you're a stranger. One of the main influences for Jim Morrison, he, he, he wrote this in a book, but one of his main influences was the French philosopher Albert Camus. And he said, you don't have to go to a foreign country to feel like a stranger. And you don't have to be in someone else's shower. It's all the time. Here's what Camus said. The feeling is common to us all. For men, the approach of dinner, for most men, or, and women he means, the approach of dinner, the arrival of a letter, or the smile of a passing girl are enough to help them get around it. But the man who likes to dig into ideas finds that the whole of one's being can be overcome with disgust. Camus is saying, we all know something's not right in our lives, in our world. We all know that. And most people get, get, get around it and can ignore it by just focusing on something to eat or the news or looking for somebody to smile at them. But if you would stop and think about it, every one of us knows something's off. The Bible tells us what's off. The Bible answers this, this deep down itch that all of us feel, this not quite like home is supposed to feel feeling that we all have. The Bible says we're the cause of it. It says, your iniquities have separated you from your God. Your sins have hidden his face from you. 
It says, we feel like strangers once in a while because we have been estranged from God. It's like God has his own culture and the culture is holiness and perfection and there's a huge feast and it's music and it's beautiful and we're different from that. Our sins make us different from the perfect God. And so we feel a little off all the time. Fortunately, God can do something about that. Our theme for the next couple weeks is not, we're pretty strange. No, our theme for the next few weeks and the theme for our congregation is that we're a family. We're a family growing in Christ. In that alley in China, I finally felt okay. My heart rate finally came down again when I got to the end of the alley and I found my family. Right there, I wasn't a stranger. I saw people who, who I recognized. And that's what God has done for you too. He's made you from being a stranger to being part of a family. That's what he lays out in Ephesians chapter 2. That's our sermon text for today. Ephesians 2 talks all about how God has brought us close, made us connected in three different illustrations. First, that we are like citizens of a nation. Second, we are like siblings in a family. And third, we are like stones in a temple. Listen for those three illustrations. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. He starts out making sure we know we are no longer strangers. We are like citizens. We are like a family who lives in the same house. We are like blocks that make up a temple. And each one of those illustrations gets deeper and deeper and deeper that shows that we are more connected to each other and shows that we are more intimate with God. So first, the citizen, citizen, like citizens who live in the same nation, they, they live in the same geographical area, but maybe hundreds of miles apart, right? You're the, a citizen of the same nation as people in Texas. But if you're members of the same household, you don't live miles away. You live just feet away from one another. And if you're bricks in a temple, then there's no separation between you at all. God shows that we are closer and closer and closer to one another than we might first think, but also that we are intimate with God. So if God is our king and we live in his kingdom, like we are his citizens, he's a good king, right? And he'll take care of us. But how often do citizens actually talk to their leader, their president or their king, you know? But this king is also the father of our household. He's right down the hall, ready to take care of all of our needs. But if we are God's temple, then, then he doesn't just live down the hall. He lives inside of us. And he knows our needs before we even ask. See, St. Paul is showing us, God is showing us in Ephesians chapter 2 that we are closer to one another than we imagine. And we are more intimate with God than we imagine because we are, well, we're like a family. When I got back to my family in China, I looked around and I could see people who had my color hair, who spoke my language, who knew what I thought, people who were like me. And, and that brought me some comfort. But when I look around this congregation, I see people with different color hair from me. And I see people who sometimes speak a different native language from me. People who think different than I do, who vote 
differently than I do, who think about handling coronavirus differently than the way I do. There's a lot of comfort in having some things in common, but we're quite a diverse group here. You know what the Greek word is for different? It's the word xeno. It's where we get our word xenophobia. It means you're afraid of things that are different or you hate things that are different from you. You know what the Greek word is for welcoming someone into your family? Hospitality in Greek is xenophilia. I love things that are different. I welcome things that are different. Welcome into my house. That's xenophilia. It's a rare thing these days, isn't it? To love and talk with and spend time with people who think and act differently from you. It's rare, but it's possible here. It's possible in this family growing in Christ. Because no matter how different we are, we have the same God. We have the same king. We have the same dad. We are brothers and sisters, and we have the same house of worship right here. We are connected. And that connection, that connection that makes us God's family is the deepest connection you have with anyone. Think about it in terms of time, right? In two billion years, two billion years from now, you will be sitting with these people feasting and singing at God's house. In two billion years, you'll be with these people. Compared to the differences and how long they'll last on earth, that's like nothing, right? Those things are like nothing compared to the billions of years we're going to spend together as God's family in heaven. And, and then the little things that we can do for each other here to overcome our differences, they're tiny too. Another Christian, you'll give them a ride to the airport because you're family and you know you're going to spend forever with them. You'll invite them over for the holidays, even if you're not blood-related, because you're family. You're the eternal kind of family in Jesus. We are a family growing in Christ. God made us that way. There's a great illustration of that from the 1700s. 1765, John Fawcett was assigned to be the pastor in a little church in the very north of England, up in Yorkshire. And the, this is what they said in the, in the little article I read about it. Uh, his salary was meager plus all the potatoes that would keep him alive. <laughs> That's how they took care of their pastor. And I'm sure they did. They took care of the Fawcett family, this little village church. That's great. They fell in love. The Fawcett's fell in love with this little church up north. And they felt the eternal bond that we've been talking about. They felt that kinship. And then John got a letter from the most prestigious Baptist church in London asking him to come be their preacher and had a salary to match. He took the position. Took the position. So he preaches his farewell sermon. That morning they had loaded up the wagons, covered wagons, all his books, all his family's furniture. They packed it all in. He climbs up after the service. Everybody gathered on the front lawn and he waves goodbye and they're weeping and crying and he looks over at the wagon master who's just waiting for him to give the signal. Wagons ho and he'll crack the whip and then off they go to London. Looks back at this congregation. Looks at his wife. Unpack the wagon. <laughs> Unpack the wagon. We're going to stay here. 
We're going to stay here. Now, this is the part of the story where I can't tell the legend from the history, but legend has it that they had another worship service where they sang God's praises, and then John Fawcett went back into his house and wrote a, a poem. It's the poem that you heard our staff sing today. Blessed be the tie that binds our hearts in Christian love. The fellowship of kindred minds is just like that above. He stayed and he wrote a poem about how our hearts are bound together and the thing that ties us up is Jesus. Of course, you might not feel that. You might not feel that way about your brothers and sisters here. It's very possible that some days you walk into this church and you look at the other congregations and you don't think, I'm just like them. They're my family. You look at the, especially the weird ones, and you're like, they're weird. They're strange to me. And I don't feel like a family here. That's not that surprising. Because we're not a family that is perfectly complete in Christ. And we are not a family that has achieved perfection in Christ. We are a family growing in Christ. We're a work in progress, like all families. And our growing, our growing project is in Christ. It means we don't just grow by adding to our building and adding more gymnasiums and classrooms. We don't just grow by adding numbers to the people who come to worship. We grow in Christ. It means we grow by every day seeing a little more about our life with Jesus in view. We see more of our life with Jesus in view. So what would it mean for our congregation to see one another more with Jesus in view? Well, imagine we could literally do that, right? Literally hop in a big time machine and go back 2,000 years and land in Jerusalem. Do you know what we would see there? We'd see Jesus and we'd see radical xenophilia hospitality. We would see a, the most radical welcoming of strangers that has ever happened. Hospitality is always costly. That's why people are hesitant to have people over to their homes for dinner every night of the week because it costs a lot to provide for them. But nothing has ever been more costly than the xenophilia that Jesus showed to us. Because Jesus, to come here and be with us strange people, he had to leave his home in heaven. He left a home where everything is perfect, where he had a perfect relationship with God, his father. Everything was going according to plan and nothing was weird and nothing felt wrong and he had no deep down itch that he was not, a, not at home here. Everything was perfect and he came here. And do you remember what they called his house on earth? Good answer. He didn't have a house on earth. He was homeless and he wandered. Talk about unheimlich not like my home. Jesus gave up perfection to come experience total loneliness and total isolation here on earth. He was alone in his life, estranged from his father so that you and I could be adopted by his father. And if we followed Jesus as a congregation long enough to get to the end of his life, we'd see him arrested and put on trial and condemned and crucified, not in the city center, outside the city walls, like a stranger, like a foreigner, out. And we would see him just as alone in his death as he was in his life. Because as Jesus was on that cross, paying for our sins, his father left him. Jesus cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
And if we were standing there as a congregation at the foot of the cross, we would say the same thing. Why is this happening? Why such a lonely existence? Why such a lonely death? And the answer is it's payback. It's payback for the sins that separate us from God. There on that cross, that Son of God was rejected for our wrongdoing. And in doing so, he made us who were strangers from God, he made us his sons and daughters. That's radical love for people who are strange to him. What would happen if we were all gathered at the foot of Jesus' cross? What would happen to our relationship with one another? How would we look at each other? How would we talk to each other in that moment? I wonder if it wouldn't be a little bit like how refugees talk to each other when they're on the plane leaving. Those people who got kicked out of, or who left out of Afghanistan a few weeks ago before the border shut down, when they were on that plane leaving, they could look around and say, you come from your hometown and you speak your language and you have your weird beliefs and I have my weird things. But we were both in that hellscape and we are both getting out. You and I were both literally headed for a hellscape and because of Jesus, we have both literally been delivered out of it. That connection supersedes any kind of difference that we could ever have. So, when we gather as a family growing in Christ, we do gather at the foot of this cross up here. And we do stand up and confess our sins. That we all have one big problem, it's the same. And that we all have one great solution in Jesus. We are a family in Christ. God made it that way through his sacrifice of Jesus. And we are growing in that reality. The more we live with Jesus in mind, the more we will experience that family. So, to close, four super practical ways for you to experience our family more deeply. All right? First one, as a family, every week we have to review what Jesus has done for us. So we do it in worship. And worship is absolutely essential because we probably don't have time to do all that today. So come back next week and we'll do worship, okay? But now second thing, as a family, we study the life and teachings of Jesus and everything he told to us. And we have to do that if we are going to. Don't have time for that one either. Come back two weeks. And we'll do all about how our family studies. The third thing we do as a family, like all families, we serve one another. We serve one another in Christian love. And you can guess how many weeks until we do that one, right? In three weeks, we're going to do serve as a family. And then in four weeks, we're going to talk about how we share what we have. We have a family that's bonded in Jesus. We know his forgiveness. We know how we are connected. And we want to share that with other people, with as many as we can in our neighborhood. So, in four weeks, we'll talk about how we share our family with others. So you got to be here. Next week, and the next week, and the next week, and the next week. You got to be here. And if you can't be here, then you got to watch it live on YouTube or Facebook. And if you can't watch it live, then you got to go back on Monday and watch the, the archived sermon because we're going to drill down into what is our identity as a family? What are we all about? And how do we live that out day to day? That's what we're going to do in the next four weeks. Talk about how we worship, study, and serve and share because God has made us a family growing in Christ. Amen. Please stand.
Good morning. Welcome to the house of the Lord for this Mount Olive family reunion, a chance for us to celebrate the, the bonds that God has created among us within this family growing in Christ. Today we kick off a five-week sermon series focusing on this family and what a family looks like, how we worship and study and serve and share together as a family. Our service today will focus on the fact that it's God who has brought us and created us as a family growing in Christ. Let's begin with our opening hymn. Please stand. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you. We read responsibly a portion of Psalm 133 and 34. How good and pleasant it is for there the Lord bestows his blessing. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord. Lift up your hands in the sanctuary. And praise the Lord. May the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, We have come into the presence of God who created us to love and serve him as his dear children. But we have disobeyed him and deserve only his wrath and punishment. Therefore, let us confess our sins and plead for his mercy. Merciful Father in heaven, I am altogether sinful from birth. In countless ways I have sinned against you and do not deserve to be called your child. 
but trusting in Jesus my Savior, I pray, have mercy on me according to your unfailing love. Cleanse me from my sin and take away my guilt. God, our Heavenly Father, has forgiven all your sins. By the perfect life and innocent death of our Lord Jesus Christ, he has removed your guilt forever. You are his own dear child. May God give you strength to live according to his will. Amen. In the peace of forgiveness, let us praise the Lord. Let us pray. Let your continual mercy, O Lord, cleanse and defend your church. And because it cannot continue in safety without your help, protect and govern it always by your goodness. For you live and reign with the Father and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Please be seated. Our first lesson is recorded in Genesis chapter 12, reading from verse 1. When God first set apart a people to be his own, he chose a family. In this case, the family of Abraham. The Lord had said to Abram, Go from your country, your people, and your father's household to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife, Sarai, his nephew, Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran, and they set out for the land of Canaan. And they arrived there. This is God's Word. Our second lesson is recorded in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, chapter 2, reading from verse 19. When we were born, we were born as strangers to God. But he has, by grace, made us citizens of his kingdom and members of his family. This will serve as our sermon text today. Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens with God's people and also members of his household built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets with Christ Jesus himself as the chief cornerstone. In him, the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him, you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. This is the word of our God. 
we continue with an anthem by the Mount Olive staff. respect for the words and works of Jesus, let's stand for the reading of the gospel. Our gospel is recorded in Matthew chapter 12, reading from verse 46. Certainly Jesus loved and respected his earthly family, and yet here he says that he has an even closer bond to those who listen to their heavenly Father. While Jesus was still talking to the crowd, his mother and brothers stood outside wanting to speak to him. Someone told him, your mother and brothers are standing outside wanting to speak to you. He replied to him, who is my mother and who are my brothers? Pointing to his disciples, he said, here are my mother and my brothers. For whoever does the will of my Father in heaven is my brother and sister and mother. This is the gospel of our Lord. Please be seated for the hymn of the day.
Now the peace of God that goes beyond all we can understand and imagine, may that peace guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus. Amen. Let's join our hearts and our voices in confessing the Apostles' Creed, this belief that joins us together as a family. I believe in God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. From there he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the holy Christian church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. Please be seated. This time we'll gather our offering. While we do that, be sure to grab the little black booklet, the friendship register, sign your name and pass it down so we have a record of your attendance.
In our intercessions today, we rejoice with Jacob and Andrea Parno, who had a son, Beckett Evan Parno. We rejoice with Hannah Torres Amel and her husband, Sonny, who welcomed his son, Eli Patrick. We pray for Kayla Welch and the rest of her family, the family of Tom Welch, who was taken to heaven last week. And we include a prayer for our nation as we remember the anniversary of the attacks on September 11th, 2001. We will use the responsive prayer on the screen. Please stand. Lord God, our maker and preserver, we praise and thank you for all that you give us day after day. You have given us your precious word to nourish our souls and to protect us from the temptations of the devil, the world, and our sinful nature. Heavenly Father, we pray that you shield us from every kind of danger, sudden catastrophe, terrors of crime and the pain of disease. Watch over those who travel by land, sea, and air. Keep our loved ones from whatever perils may threaten them. Bless our land, our people, and those who hold offices of high trust. Keep our government and schools upright and strong for the advancement of good citizenship and useful vocations, that we may enjoy your gifts of peace, security, and well-being. Lord of life, we thank you for blessing Jacob and Andrea Parno with a baby boy, Beckett Evan. And thank you for blessing Hannah and Sonny with their baby Eli. Keep parents and child under your protection and graciously meet their physical and spiritual needs. We pray for the family of Tom Welch, who you've taken to yourself by death. Be with them and comfort them in their sorrow with your sure promises of the resurrection of the body and the life everlasting. Lord Jesus, you are the Prince of Peace. By your life, death, and resurrection, you earn for us peace with God. As we recall the horror and violence of the terrorism that hurt our nation on September 11th, enable us who know your peace to be peacemakers. Help us by word and example to promote harmony in our homes workplaces, churches, schools, and wherever you place us. Hear us, Lord, as we now bring you our private petitions. We bring these requests before you in the name of Jesus, our Lord, and ask you to hear us. 
Take all that we have, our bodies and minds, our time and skills, our ministries and offerings, and use them to your glory. We also join to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. We continue with our closing hymn. Please be seated.
Please stand for prayer. Almighty God, we thank you for teaching us the things that you want us to believe and do. Help us by your Holy Spirit to keep your word in pure hearts, that we may be strengthened in faith, guided in holiness, and comforted in life and in death through Jesus Christ our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you peace. Please be seated. A warm welcome to all of our worshipers, especially our guests. It's a delight to have you here with us. If you're joining us online, we encourage you to fill out the online friendship register. You'll find it on the Mount Olive website. A couple announcements. Mount Olive LWMS will be meeting this Tuesday night at 6 p.m. in the Fireside Room. All the women of the congregation are invited to attend. Appleton Oktoberfest is coming up September 25th. Mount Olive will take the opportunity to have a booth so we can get our name into the community, invite people to our fall festival. We need some volunteers to run that booth. If you'd like to help, there's a sign-up sheet in the atrium, or you can reach out to Pastor Preevy at pastorprevy at mountoliveappleton.com. Mount Olive is starting a mixed choir for our congregation, men and women. The first rehearsal is not this Wednesday, but next Wednesday, September 22nd at 6.30. If you're interested in singing, there's a survey you can fill out again in the atrium or reach out to Rachel Wardell, who will be our director. Pastor Zank's Wednesday Bible class begins this week. Uh, If you are attending that, we ask you to come in the school entrance. Um, there's a chance if they're doing some more work in the commons, we'll meet in here, but somebody will be there to either tell you we're meeting here or meeting there. Ultimately, we will always meet in the commons. Sunday school starts today. Uh, the, all the children are invited to come here into church at 915. Uh, from this week only, after that, you'll always go directly to your uh, classrooms, but today it's 915. And then all of our Bible classes begin today as well. They'll start about 9.20 after that uh, opening of the Sunday school. So I'll do a little study of First Peter here in church. Pastor Wardell is going to study God and gender in the commons. Uh, um, I think there's some leftover snacks in the commons from the sisters' retreat. So if you're going to that one, you win. The food is over there already. Uh, And then Pastor Preeby is uh, studying a family growing in Christ, kind of a review of Christian doctrine as taught by the Wells. Uh, If you want to be a part of that, uh, head down to the fireside room uh, down the elevator. Today's a great chance to to mingle a bit. I know we kind of keep our distance a bit, but this is one of the reasons we wear name tags. Maybe there's somebody that you see that you don't know who they are. Reach out to them. Connect with them for the first time in a long time. Our coffee cafe is open. Uh, we get to enjoy some new carpet out there. Uh, the Garkey family uh, is, did, did a great job putting down all that carpet. So in, enjoy that. Fellowship with each other. Bible class starts at 920. Have a blessed week in the Lord. <laughs>